This is an Average Joe Media production. Well, ain't no this is Another episode of Thoughts of an Average Joe podcast. This is Troy Jackson, man, your favorite average Joe, and this is also going to be a combined episode for the Baby Daddy Chronicles podcast, just because I feel like it will it serves a purpose for both. So today, I have a family friend, my dad's business partner, really good friend. He's a Cowboys fan as well, so you already know how, how that goes. Mister Tony, how you doing today? My bad. Hold on. And and oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, I yeah, I I forgot that I I ain't turn your mic up. You good now? <laughs> All right. Well, uh, and I could even be clearer. Tony Davis, okay. Cowboys fan who lives in Philly. How, oh my gosh, <laughs> the Philly I, area. How how did that happen? Like, are you from Dallas or something? No, I'm from West Virginia. How did that happen to where you became like a? Cowboys fan living in Philly. Like, do you go to the games when they play when they when they when they play the uh the the when the Cowboys play the Eagles at the link? Yes, I do. I'm with my Cowboys. I'm surprised you're still alive. Well, you know, some people got good sense. (laughs) 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 Well, I can tell you, this is how I'm a Cowboys fan. Mm -hmm. The second black NFL quarterback in the league was Joe Gilliam. Mm -hmm. Played for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mm-hmm. I was a Steelers fan. Got you. Okay. Joe Gilliam got the Steelers to the playoffs. Then he brought Bradshaw back in. My black consciousness was strong as an 11-year-old. Therefore, I immediately kicked the Steelers to the curb and went to my probably newly found Cowboys fan, uh, team probably because I think they won a Super Bowl the year before. So, you know, when you're a young kid, mm-hmm. you follow a winner. Mm-hmm. And I stuck to the Cowboys. The rest of my family stayed Steeler fans. Okay. You know, I respect that. I respect that. And then it went to another level. My cousin got drafted. Mm. By whom? The, the Cowboys. Cowboys. Okay. And he has three rings on his fingers. So okay. I don't know how that matches up with, with the Eagles, but, uh, you know. We I mean, got- well, I mean, you know, since I've been born, I ain't seen the Cowboys win anything. And I saw the Eagles win the Super Bowl. So, you know. Yeah. Well, it's going to happen again. Is it? Because this year was y'all year to make it happen and y'all choked. I know we did. <laughs> but you know what? I'm old enough that uh, my bread is not buttered based on football. Mm-hmm. Life will. Go on. Mm-hmm. That's facts. That's big facts. That's big facts. Um, so how how I get started with every episode? How's your mental health doing? I'm in good shape. Okay. Yeah, the uh you know, kinda 
worries me a little bit about all the mental health breakdown mm-hmm. due to COVID. Mm-hmm. And I guess folks are so dependent on uh, what this apparatus might be, the weapons of mass distraction. That's mm-hmm. the phone. Mm-hmm. This is not just here, but people are probably listening to this podcast mm-hmm. on the phone. Mm-hmm. And there, everything relies on the phone. But I grew up at a time when uh, if we didn't have a cell phone or uh, a phone in a bag or whatever it was mm-hmm. that, you know, those things were not that critical. Exactly. On. Exactly. Like I see like this generation, like every, like they don't know how to go outside and play. No, they don't know how to go outside and play. Like I remember growing up, like I didn't get my first cell phone until I was a, I remember it was a scene. I was a, I believe I was a senior in, uh, in high school Christmas. I got my first cell phone. And only reason why I got it, it's because my parents wanted to upgrade. And so they said, oh, you can upgrade and we can add the other two lines on. Of you'll, you'll, you'll pay for the service, but it'll be free to add them on. It's the only reason why me and my brother got a cell phone. <laughs> like The <laughs> only reason why. And nowadays, these kids just be so in tune and with their, their cell phones and their tablets. And it's like they just don't enjoy the outside. Like growing up, I knew like, okay, we outside. Street like, come on, you you... You got to go in the house. Like, you know what I'm saying? You could go outside. You can play. I, I will look forward to, especially during the summer, to with the last day of school, going home, coming outside, playing ball with my friends. I can stay out a little later because I don't got to worry about school. Now, these kids just be, you got games on your phone? No. Like, go outside and be a kid. Like, go, out, go outside and be a kid. And then especially now with social media, it's like, because social media is so because social media is so prevalent, like it it causes this um this fantasy reality. So now people are, who were worried about their bodies before are really worried about their bodies now because that's all they see on social media. But like when we were younger, we was just sometimes I would just I can't remember what it was, but it would be like a little you know how sometimes when you go outside somebody's yard and they get like a little green thing there or like a little yellow thing that you can sit on. I forget exactly what it's called. Like, I don't know exactly what it's called, but I would just sit on there and just talk to my friends. We would just walk around development and just talk. And these kids just, they don't know how to do that. Right, right. How do we get here? Well, you know, that's, uh, I think people are too reliant on other things Mm. for entertainment as opposed to figuring out who they are. Mm -hmm. So once you begin to have a better sense of who you are as an individual, and you can manage mm-hmm. all those things. I mean, I could think of playing baseball via cards. Mm. There was a card game, and you you uh, made that into baseball. When did we you do that? When it was raining outside, because we couldn't go outside and play wiffle ball, kickball, mm-hmm. baseball, or anything else. So you did something that was kind of similar. Mm-hmm. And it was still fun because mm-hmm. everybody knew the strategy or it helped teach you the strategy. Mm-hmm. And so the inside outside thing, it, it certainly baffles me as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so let me sidebar a little bit here. Cause you're the oldest of three, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm the oldest of five, mm. two younger sisters and two younger brothers. Okay. And when you talked about getting the phone, you always, it, it just automatically reminded me that I always had to break the mold. Mm. Break in, rather. Mm-hmm. They broke the mold on me to mm-hmm. some extent because 
what I got to do at 16, the younger ones might have been doing it at 12. Mm-hmm. It would always be like that. Right, right, right. And so it's uh, it's just an interesting thing. So I determined that in my family I have two sons. Tamir got his phone at 16. Tlaib was not going to get his phone until 16. Mm-hmm. And I stuck to that. It almost cost me. How did it almost cost you? Well, I was in Louisville at a conference called the Black Family Conference. Okay. And Tlaib went with me. Uh, he was probably 14 uh, for the first time, maybe 15, but I think he was 14. And I sent him to the youth rally, which was an opportunity for all the kids at the conference mm-hmm. to go down to the University of Louisville for a tour. Well, when the bus came back, no to leave. Mm. I'm like, oh my goodness, this boy does not have a clue where he is. So someone went back down and thank goodness he went back to the vicinity where the bus dropped him off mm-hmm. and they saw him and brought him back to the hotel. How old was he at the time? About 14. 14. I think. Okay. Maybe 15, but I think he was 14. See, I, I, I admire you because I would have broken. I would have got him a phone after that. <laughs> well, if something had happened to him, my wife would have killed me. Mm-hmm. He definitely had a phone then, but I almost gave him a phone before. That's not, he's not going to need a phone mm-hmm. because you can always borrow somebody else's phone if you need to make a call. That's how we operate it. Because yeah. in the Philly suburbs, there are kids that have a phone when they're five years old going to kindergarten. Like mm-hmm. somebody needs to talk to them. Boy, mm-hmm. I might need to tell them I'm going to be late or something. Please. You can tell the teacher. Yeah. Tell the teacher to tell the child, mm-hmm. what have you. But all this, uh, I look at the whole subject related to immediate gratification. Because mm. people want to keep. <laughs> mm, I like that. Go ahead. I like that. Yeah, because people feel a need to keep up with the Joneses. Mm, that's, oh, you, you preaching. That's, that's facts. Yeah. That's definitely facts. I mean, think about this. There's a distant relative who for the third birthday, they took the kids to the party in a limo. Yeah, that's doing way too much. Way over the top. Way over the top. So they're going to not get a memo, I mean, get a uh, limo when they're going to the prom. Oh, that's old. We did that when we were three. Mm. Please. So... How you deal with life, you got to take them in gradients, mm-hmm. take all the issues, the things you're doing, et cetera, in a family and do it slowly but surely over mm-hmm. time. Um, grow, did you want to have any daughters or you were just blessed to have the two sons? The two sons. The two sons. Right. Okay. Um, Actually, our sons, uh, I come from a background with foster care and Really? And yeah. Okay. And so one of the teachings at the Black Family Conference was there's enough black children here on this earth, in this country, who have no home. So this wasn't natural from us. We weren't conceiving. So we said, we're going to bless, t- uh, well, it was really going to be one, but then there was a brother. Mm. And so we got both of them. Okay. <clears throat> I, did, I didn't know that. Yeah. I never knew that. Yep. That's, that's yeah. Because I... So I want to have like a couple kids, but I also feel like, like I already made it up in my mind. If I don't, um, I would like to have a boy and a girl, but for some reason, everybody think I'm just going to have girls. So I realized if I didn't have a girl that I would just adopt a boy. 
because there is a lot of kids out here that that need that uh that um that loving supporting home because especially in this generation now you see it but you don't see it it's a lot of single parent households and like i'm blessed because i have both my parents and i say this all the time i thought this was normal until i started to grow up and i realized that everywhere i go I'm like, it's maybe me or somebody else that has both their parents, you know, that are still married. And I, I never really heard my parents argue like that. So, like, they really be, they know each other, but they're like the annoying best friend. Right. And I don't, I don't see that often in this generation. And I just feel like it may get to a point to where we, by the time I get like your age, I may not see it. Because the way it's going, it's just like, it's either... It's either the single mom is doing it or they're co-parenting, but they're not like together in the household to where you can see. Like, I don't know how, to be honest with you, I don't know how I would treat women if I didn't see my see how my dad treated my mom. Right. Like, that was like a stepping stone, a molding point. Okay, you got to do this, this, and this, and this. I've never heard my dad yell at my mom or call her outside of her name. So I know this is what I got to do. But if I was raised in a different way, who knows how how I would, you know, treat Well, me. you can probably hear it by talking to friends mm-hmm. who are uh, products of single-family homes or mm-hmm. you know, the fathers somewhere else. Uh, it's rarer to find the father as the single parent, although there are several out there and they don't necessarily get uh, their just due mm-hmm. by society for the efforts they put forward to uh, just take care of the family. Cause they're mm-hmm. not going to say I'm uh, uh, you know, a single parent. I'm just dad mm-hmm. doing what I'm supposed to do and taking care of my offspring. Mm-hmm. And so there's, there, there's a lot of debate back and forth. See in the, African tradition, you would have parents that they kind of take turns in in a sense. Mm -hmm. So fathers may raise a son uh, after the mom has done the nurturing in the beginning. Mm -hmm. So once the son comes along so far, then it's time for the dad to take over Mm -hmm. and move them forward. Mm -hmm. Whereas with the young ladies, uh, they do some similar stuff. But you got to accentuate the positive in one another. That's what you're talking about mm-hmm. with your parents. They accentuate the positive in one another in order to have a family move forward uh, in, in the, as most, in, in, I guess, in the best positive light mm-hmm. that a family should be growing. So um, when you adopted your sons, how old were they? Uh, two and a half and about a month shy of being six. Okay, so with the six-year-old, was it, because I feel like with the two-year-old, maybe it's a little bit more of an easier adjustment, or am I wrong? You're probably right. Okay, with the six-year-old, was it, um, like, was it at first he was like, well, you're not my parents or anything like that, or how how, how was that transition to where to get him to, like, fully trust you? Well, you know what? That really didn't reveal itself until probably around his ninth birthday, Mm. because in his life, the trauma he'd seen um, coming from what we think was a drug infested uh, life of some sort mm-hmm. uh, at nine, that was the three year mark. Cause he was initially taken from the family right around three. Mm-hmm. Then he came to us 
right around six. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like he instinctively thought something was going to change at nine. Mm -hmm. How? We don't know. But his behavior and things he talked about all kind of looked like, well, you know, what's my next move? Mm -hmm. That never happened. So now he's a thriving 27, nearly 28-year-old working with his own Okay. How many do do uh does the does the youngest one have kids or no? No. No. So the the oldest one, how many kids does he have? Two. How do you enjoy being a grandparent? Uh I can send them home. <laughs> <laughs> That's real. No, That's but real. they're they're a lot of fun. Um you know, my granddaughter she is definitely a joy. Mm-hmm. Now, her mother had had a son before. Mm-hmm. So we count him as well. You know how we do in the black community. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just bring in the village. Yep. And if you got an extra child there, they still a grandchild. He yep. calls me Pap-Pap just like she does. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he's then Tommy has a, a junior. Okay. So uh, he just turned three the other day. Okay. So he's a... He's a monster in a sense, <laughs> in terms of his size. Mm, okay, where he weighs forty eight point five pounds as a just turned three year old. Oh yeah, he yeah he. Uh, but he's thick, as they say. Mm-hmm. He up there. He yeah, up there. Yeah. Um, how was the adoption process like? You know, it was interesting because um, we had to move much faster than what we thought because mm. they were in two different households. Now, the blessing was that both of them came under the supervision of my best friend, college roommate, et cetera, in the state of uh, uh, Delaware. Okay. And we had a situation where the boys were in for a visit. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to have like three or four overnight visits over <clears throat> weeks of time. That did not come out like that. Mm. Uh the youngest one to leave was going, was supposed to return to the house where he had been living. Mm -hmm. So like I said, he's about two and a half and they all of a sudden got called out of town, had to go to Chicago. Well, they said, well, got to do something with him. He couldn't go to the house where time was also in Delaware because they had, uh, one or two other, or, I guess foster kids Mm -hmm. as well as a natural family Mm -hmm. and they just simply didn't have space. So they said, well, we need you all to look at bringing him in right away. What? Now you got to mind yourself that I'm a counselor at a community college. My wife is a grade school principal Mm -hmm. and we've got her mother living with us Mm -hmm. who's stroke bound. Mm -hmm. And so we had to really move quickly, find daycare. I found a, Goddard School right next to the college, so I could drop him off. And it just sped up. I mean, it sped up in such a way that where we thought we'd have some major time, we had days, a couple days in which to make this happen. So you went from you had like a couple months to days. To days. I know that was stressful. Like two, three, four days. I know that was stressful. neighbor in the house, we had to figure out, as I said, daycare, school. Mm -hmm. I mean, oh, yeah, it was a mess. So doing that on the fly, right, how, I don't know if you can remember, but how long did it take to really for 
to have things really get settled in? Probably, let me think, it's probably within a month or so that okay. everything was totally squared away. Um, <clears throat> I just remember things by the dates because mm-hmm. their birthdays mm-hmm. are very close to family members. Okay. Like Tlaib's is the day after my grandmother's. And okay. Tom Ayers is the day after my brother. Mm-hmm. And the uh, process was finally completed with the adoption probably uh, about nine months later. Okay. And I think it was the day after my birthday. All right. So there was a lot of connections that kind of made sense and probably by divine intervention of sorts. Okay. Um, so when they weren't with y'all, the two brothers were apart, correct? Correct. So was it like a surprise when they finally got to see each other again or was it a relief or? Well, we're not convinced that the younger one knew his older brother. Got you. But Tamir definitely knew to leave. Mm. Okay. So it was more like a, you was, that was a special moment than able to see them grow up and see them bond together, especially if the youngest one don't really remember the oldest one. Right. Okay. Right. right. So, and the the older one always watched out for him. Sometimes I wonder the other way around. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, because he always got to reap the benefits. Mm -hmm. You know, right now, you know, they talk much more than they ever did Mm -hmm. since Tamir these kids Mm -hmm. so um yeah it's it's been interesting to see you know and it's really interesting for when you uh look at the process of just life itself Mm -hmm. that uh well i'll put it like this Tlaib told my wife darlene not that long ago that mom I'm starting to sound like dad. (laughs) (laughs) Those things that they didn't want to do. Mm -hmm. But now it's kind of like they preach to the choir themselves. Mm -hmm. I feel feel it. Like I probably like, so like always tell myself, listen, I'm not charging my parents. I'm not charging my kids rent, but I don't really know how that'll look until I'm in that situation. Like already, I already know some things like, I don't plan on them getting a cell phone to later on in life. Like my parents did me and certain things like certain things I know I'm going to take for them. And there's other things I'm going to be like, eh, I kind of want to switch it up. Mm-hmm. So like, but not, I, I get it. I definitely get it. Excuse me. You're good. Well, the, you know, the lessons aren't always learned in the fashion that you want them to be learned in. Mm-hmm. But I think eventually the dots may connect. Mm-hmm. May not be on the same time schedule, but the dots will connect. Because mm-hmm. I know for me, one of my biggest things is I know my mom would like for us to be married and then have kids, which is the ultimate goal. And I was I was close doing that before uh, in my last relationship. But now it's like I'm getting older, they getting older, and it's like yeah, I want to respect her wishes, but also at the same time I'm just like we're not getting no younger, and I don't want it to where. I wasn't necessarily close with my grandparents and I don't want to make the same, I don't want to make that same mistake with, um, whenever I have kids, I want them to be able to have a relationship with them, have a rapport with them, be able to play around with them. I want it to where like they get too old or I have them too late to where they can't necessarily enjoy their grandchildren like that. Right. Right. Yeah. The grandparents are very important. Mm -hmm. I know I was very close with 
all of my grandparents. And I was blessed to have grown up with three great grandparents. Okay. That was, that was pretty, pretty important Mm -hmm. because you listen to their stories and, you know, they help you to learn perspectives that you didn't contemplate. You know, well, I'll put it like this. I was in South Carolina with my great grandmother and my uncle had been burned pretty badly in a fire in the Baltimore area, my dad's brother. Mm. And my grandmother Davis had been there with my great grandmother and I, she had to go check on her son. Mm -hmm. So my great grandmother was responsible for me. Now she had a daycare center, nursing school, kindergarten in South Carolina that she ran on a regular. And so being a teacher, she was giving you those basics. So there are certain little things I know she taught me that stayed with you. For instance, you know, everybody always taught when you come out of the bathroom, before you come out, what do you have to do? Wash your hands. Thank you. Wash your hands. Then you move on. Well, my grandmother always had these little things where you took a bath. Make sure you wash behind your ears. Mm-hmm. To this day, if you look, you'll see that, wow, it seems like it's dirtier back there than anywhere else. How did they know that back in the day? <laughs> all this scientific knowledge. So there's little things that you just do mm-hmm. because repetition, practice makes perfect, et cetera. They just drummed it in, and it becomes a part of who you are. Mm-hmm. That's where the grandparents can add things that your parents may not be able to because mm-hmm. the grandparents sometimes, they make it up for where they messed up. Yep, <clears throat> mm-hmm. exactly. It's all, I really feel like it's all a cycle of giving what the last generation taught you, making it your own, and then learning from their mistakes as well. Yep. Yep. Yeah. All that is, has been critical. So why did I open that door? What was your question? Um, we were talking about, um, um, grandparents and I don't want to have kids too late to where, yeah. Right, right, right. So yeah, they get a chance to spend some quality time Mm -hmm. and when they're grandparents, they got more quantity of time. Yep. Uh, particularly if they have retired. Mm -hmm. Now mine were still uh, pretty young. So my parents were 19, 20 years older than me. Mm. Okay. Whereas I know uh, when we adopted the boys, I was in my mid thirties. Yeah. Yeah. My <clears> parents, <throat> yeah. My, me and my parents almost like 30, about like 30 years apart, almost around there. Right. Yeah. And so when you look at that whole scenario, you'll see, wow, there is a lot less time for you to move forward, have your own children mm-hmm. so that the grandparents can perform uh, or not really perform, uh, provide a role mm-hmm. that could be useful for your kids, uh, get to know them, etc. Well, and, you know, but we have a family like mine. Our families, uh, well, I'll put it like this. I got a great aunt, my grandfather, uh, my mom's father's sister. Mm-hmm. She's a hundred and Mm. And she walks around almost as good as you and I, if not better. Mm. And so there are some good genes, and we got a lot of other family members. They live well into the nineties. So there's hope. I'm I keep hope alive. But, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I just be like, that's why it's like. So like I never wanted to. Thankfully, thank God, I never wanted to be like a a younger parent. But I can see why people have 
kids younger, your your parents, if you like, so by the time, like I know kids, people now who are like 25, got like two or three kids, but their parents are still in their, their parents are still in their prime. So they have a, a closer type relationship with the child. And then by the time you're about like 40, your kids are grown or whatever the case is, as opposed to me, like I'm thinking like, dad, like if I have a kid, like in the next two, three years, by the time they 30, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like where my parents is at, like, right. you know what I'm saying? Like 60 ish. Well, and that's, and that's where my family was. Cause my mom and dad, you know, I graduated college at 22. They mm-hmm. were, they were 42. Mm-hmm. And so my younger siblings came along, but certainly by the time my parents were 50, they could, they were footloose and fancy free and really could travel and mm-hmm. do some other things. So there's so many advantages to do that. But in today's society, there are far fewer uh parents that are actually together than yes. they were back in the day. Well, you know what? I'm saying I'm I'm upholding somewhat of a myth because when if you look back at the statistical analysis, the numbers are roughly the same. Yeah, it's just it just doesn't get they just highlight the single parents more than they do exactly the 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 couples that are together. So yeah. I would agree with you. Yeah, yeah. Well and and there are stats to show that I mean the numbers are maybe less than 1% different Mm -hmm. than what there used to be Mm -hmm. now. But the downside is that you just don't have as, uh, the, the commitment. Let me not even say commitment. The support might be the support, right? Because people don't stay in their enclave where they grew up. They Mm -hmm. moved all over. Correct. And if you take a young child because you got a job and most of your family say is in Georgia mm-hmm. and you move to California and you have no support out there, then that creates sometimes more issues than anything. Yeah. That was one of the things in my last relationship. Like when we were talking about having kids or whatever, I was, I understood it because I knew I was the one that had to move. But then I also knew I was like, if we have kids, it's like, I want to make sure my parents get to see their grandkids. But I can tell you right now, my dad wasn't going, my dad wasn't going to no snow. <laughs> That's why he moved <laughs> down here. So he didn't have to worry about going in the snow. So that was like a, that's why I wanted to like, eventually, like I was trying to tell, like I wanted to, I was willing to move up there, but eventually <clears throat> I wanted to kind of meet in the middle. So like Virginia or Charlotte or something like that to where it's not that it's a, my parents can either catch a flight or get on a plane or her parents can get on a plane and then we can kind of just meet in the middle. Cause that's one thing I don't want to do. Like I know eventually I want to leave Florida, but I don't want to deprive <clears throat> my parents when I do have kids a chance to see them. Cause my, my dad's brother, he moved down here for his grandkids. My parents ain't moving to where I'm going to. My dad said, they, he fine right here. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> he found right here. Well, you know, that's that's uh, interesting because we're trying to sell a property mm-hmm. that's not too far from here. Okay. Because my wife said we would settle down here. She put that house on the market. I got to go by and check it out tomorrow up in uh, the plan, uh, what's it called, Palm Coast area. Okay, okay. Yeah. And so why did she change her mind? Because she was trying to base it around what I like to do, fishing mm-hmm. and all, and it's mm-hmm. close to the uh, ocean mm-hmm. and fresh water as well. Nope. I'm going to stay where the grandkids are. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking, 
you know what, at, at some point, I might want to buy a house in Ghana, Nigeria, mm-hmm. somewhere over on the continent mm-hmm. because it's a different lifestyle mm-hmm. and you feel at home. So I would encourage you to talk to your listeners about at least making a trek to the motherland. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's on my bucket list for like the next two or three years. Yeah, but far too many young folks, though, they think that when you go to uh, the continent, that you're going to be looking at things as though you <laughs> once did in a Tarzan movie. Mm-hmm. And but it's not like that. No, no, no. The cities, Lagos, uh, Nigeria, etc. just like being in New York City. Mm-hmm. Might be bigger and more extravagant in many respects. But, mm-hmm. you know, we've got to ex- expose ourselves to, to um, many, many opportunities. So... That's part of the reason why I would take my boys to Louisville to the Black Family Conference. Okay. They've got to be exposed to the historical connections that they would uh, develop mm-hmm. going to places. And so that's one of the things my dad did with us. We didn't have any more money than anywhere else, mm-hmm. than anyone else. And, but mom and dad made sure we got exposed. So we took a vacation to Canada. Mm. Uh, you would just save your money and go travel, but you've got to see things mm-hmm. in order to potentially be what it is you want to be. If mm-hmm. you don't see it, you don't have an idea, then that makes it much more difficult to make that decision to, to branch out. Yeah. I know for us, we, we traveled a lot, but we didn't really travel outside the country. So we took a cruise to the Bahamas, but because my dad had a lot of conferences and stuff, he would take us with us. So we went to, we went to a good amount. Like I remember going to Arizona and my mom had on these like <laughs> these little like uh house shoes mm-hmm. and it just burnt. It just the, the heat went right through right through them things and it was it was hot. I remember that we went to San Diego, went to LA, went to Fresno. Um we we've been a good amount of places. Like even when I was working on a cruise ship, like I remember my the cruise ship line I was working for, the route was like New Orleans to Memphis. And then, like, it just so happened, like, my dad was in town that week for a conference, and I ain't seen him in, like, two months, so it was good just to just to see him. So my dad's connected. We just never really took a bunch of, like, out-of-the-country trips. I think that's probably on our plan. I think now it's harder since we all, because obviously I still live at home, but Manny and Josh, they don't, and Josh really be working. So, But I know, like, my parents said that's what they, they want to take, like, a family trip within, like, the next two years. Because, mm-hmm. like, <clears throat> once I leave, like, we really don't. It, it it will. I don't see often where we'll all be home. Like I know Manny will come home either every December, either every Thanksgiving, or every Christmas. But Josh right. don't come home like that, and Josh is only like three hours away. So it'd be like I can't even remember the last time we all saw each other. Like it's been like we all was in the same house. It's been a while. It's been a while. Yeah, it's definitely been a while. Yeah, that um, that that is critical because my youngest sibling and my mom have five of us in five years. <clears throat> Woo! <clears throat> Wait, what? <laughs> Yo, she was now playing just boop, 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 like. Mm. Yeah, my sister right behind me is eleven months older than my next brother. But uh, yeah, and it's it would be kind of rare for us to get together, particularly after the grandparents passed because mm-hmm. we would gather at their homes for the holidays for mm-hmm. Thanksgiving. We'd be at one grandparent's house or the other, mm-hmm. uh, for Christmas. We would go to both. 
to space them out because you had, you know, 10, 12 days you'd be off. Mm -hmm. So we'd go visit everybody. And I think it's critical that uh, young folks have to learn to talk to their grandparents if they know who they are. If they don't, then go find out Mm -hmm. who they are. Uh, And there's a lot more of that research going on through ancestry and family trees and all those sort of things if they didn't know them at all. Mm-hmm. there's a lot of folks that really want to research who their family is and know them. But the more critical point I'm getting at is communication. That's facts. Cause I think it's critical that folks talk. So I, I make my boys call the relatives, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And so we've got family members. They don't make the children do that. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, once you open that door, then they want to seek them out as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm probably a little bit of an anomaly. Because when I travel, if I know someone's there, I'll stop and call them. Why didn't you let me know? Well, I wasn't sure if I was going to make it, but I just want to holler at you now. Mm-hmm. Call, call the relatives, stop in. But I was, I'm kind of known as the world traveler, cause, but I drive most of the time. Mm. But you I drove was, down here? Yes, I did. Oh, you tripping. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, boy. you. Mm-mm. No, I thought you flew. Oh, no. So that's your car out there. Yes. I thought that was a rental car. Oh, no. Well, it is a rental, but I rented it from home. Uh -uh, You are tripping. (laughs) Mr. Tony, what are you doing? That is no. I remember when my mom's mom's passed and we had to drive from Florida to Baltimore. Nope. Mm -mm. So from. Well, I'm a little further than that. I'm two hours north of Baltimore. The only way I was going to drive was when I was supposed to move. Uh, to moving with my ex, and we were supposed to go to. I was supposed to move to to New York. I had already planned. I was going to drive from Flo- from Florida to Charlotte, take a break, stay there for the rest of the day, drive from Charlotte to to Jersey, take a break, and in Jersey to where she was at was only four and a half hours. But nope. Mm-mm. Well, then it means that you might need to look at a map because if you drive from here to Charlotte, you're going about two three hours out the way. Really. Yeah, Charlotte oh, no. is north and west. Oh, I thought it was uh, yeah, geography. Yeah. Now, going straight up, you'd have to go, you'd be better off going up to, uh, even Raleigh is a little bit out of the way, but, mm. uh, yeah, you, yeah, you, see, young folks, y'all don't look at maps. I, I don't, I'm not, that's not, that's not <laughs> my strong suit. <laughs> People just go on uh, Google Maps or, in fact, I don't even know if y'all do that. Y'all just put it in, what's it called? GPS. Mm-hmm. Just put it right in my phone and be like, get me here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because you know what my son says? Well, Dad, I said, Tlaib, where are you? Oh, I don't know, Dad. I'm just I'm just following GPS. So one thing I do know is I've gotten better, especially around here. Like, I know, like, I may not know streets, but I know landmarks. So if you tell me, like, what street you on, I'd be like, okay, what's around you? And if you tell me you're around, okay, you're here, so you got to go this, this, and this. I'm right. good at that. Okay. But I mean, I remember back in my day, though, it's just like I grew up in the era to where like you needed the uh, like my dad was driving and he had to print out the directions. Oh, yeah. yeah it wasn't no GPS. It was and he had to look and he was like, OK, I got to make it right here. Thank right. God I don't I don't I don't have that sense of direction. So, well, and it's good to have a sense of direction. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, coming here to your house the other night, I'm driving down I-4 and I'm talking to a a musical friend of mine who's mm-hmm. uh he's he plays music all over the country keith mm-hmm. marks if you haven't known it or tell your listeners look up keith marks okay uh he's a flutist and he's bad oh yeah the, the, the flute people be good yeah 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 so i'm talking to him i said keith i gotta get off because my gut tells me that i probably needed to make a turn and i stopped right at a intersection 
uh, on the highway. I got for an exit. Right, mm-hmm. I pulled off to the right, and I needed to get off right then mm. because I knew. I said, you know what? I think I'm about ready to go past Sanford. Mm-hmm. I need to get over to that house. Mm-hmm. And so, when you've used maps, if you know how those things work, you kind of have a sense, sense of, of direction. direction. Okay, and I have a pretty good sense of direction. I can usually tell when I'm going north, south, east, west. Okay. The hardest thing is if you're in a city that started the country like Philadelphia, there's nothing that's laid out like maps. Mm. So another, so what I mean is this highways that are even numbered go which way? Right. Right. Go which way they go. Even. Like a two Oh two. That's a two Oh two number. Which way would they go? Even numbered. Yeah. Let me think. Yeah, see, you need to take a map. Wait, it's no, so I know, so I know, right, if I'm going, um, so I-4 East is, um, if I'm, if I'm coming home, which is I-4 East, those are odd numbers. I-4 West are even numbers. Wrong. Four is even. No matter which way you go. No, when I get off the exit, it's like one- Oh, okay. So I four. Is oh, you talking about I four? Oh, you talking about the highway itself? I, yes. th- I thought you were talking about the exits. No, no, no. Oh, okay, no. you talking about the highway itself? Yeah. Highway okay. I four is kind of confusing because four is an even number. Mm-hmm. Even numbers always go east and west. Mm. Odd numbers go north and south. south. Okay, I like I ninety five. Got you. Okay. Yeah, okay, ninety five okay. is north and south. Mm-hmm. I four it should be east and west, but you're kind of going. Northeast or southwest on I four, mm-hmm. but because that's kind of an anomaly. Mm-hmm. So in Pennsylvania, the odd numbers can oftentimes be going east and west, and a route like two hundred two going right past the college where I work mm-hmm. goes north and south. But that's how the country began, and in those areas, the numbers never changed mm-hmm. for the most part. You're in an odd number, you're going north and south, even east and west. Okay. And that's something that your listeners probably never knew. Probably. I I, I did it. <laughs> I did it. Like it, just, it. It never really clicked. Right. It never really clicked. It was just, okay, I-4 east, I-4 west, 95 north, 95 south. I get it. So because you worked on a ship, you understand something about navigation though, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> so if you were... Uh, in the class like we did with scouting, you had to learn to navigate. We had one person that would drive. The other person was the navigator. I was a navigator and tell, okay, here's where we need to go. And because you could read a map, reading a map can be important. Mm. Yeah. In many respects. My buddy's taking a mapping class right now uh, for navigating on the waters, ocean, seeing by the wind, air, sun, now, if you can follow those things, mm-hmm. and it goes back to ancient times, mm-hmm. the sun, uh, you know, if they could have a, what do they call it? the um, uh, A compass? A compass. Yeah. And you could follow mm-hmm. by how the shade would be on the compass. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's some old ancient things that really have modern day uh, outcomes that folks don't even really know the history. Mm-hmm. So when we go back to everything we've talked about, there is some history that young folks really need to know about 
not just their family, but the history of their origins in order to move forward effectively. Mm-hmm. So I mentioned earlier uh, the, uh, the idea of move, of working with family members. Mm-hmm. How can I put this? Well, let me keep it as simple as this. If folks haven't gone to the National African American Museum at the Smithsonian, because I've been exposed to a lot of the history at that conference in Louisville mm-hmm. that I took my sons to, I could look around in the National and the Museum, and it starts on the bottom, the basement, and you work your way up. So I think there's five floors in there. I could look around and look at, I could point at this. Okay, I know that. I know this. I know that. I know this. Oh, there's something that could add a little bit of knowledge. I mm-hmm. didn't realize that was also connected. People that I was with, they didn't know squat. Mm. And so you have to know how to move forward in order to probably have some idea of how to direct your own path. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's a movie, and it was really based on an actual bird called the Sankofa bird. So the, the bird is, has his head turned backwards with the egg in his mouth. Uh. meaning that you must teach the youth from whence they come in order for them to move forward effectively. Uh. I like yeah, that. Yeah, because uh, and that movie was pretty much banned across the land. Mm. That's why folks really ought to look, find it. They could probably find it on YouTube or something. But you know what's kind of interesting? Um, the guy that was the cinematographer for that, I'm at the conference with your dad and mm-hmm. I, and the late a lady we talked to all the time, she was there, and then she introduced us to her husband. Her husband is the san- cinematographer <laughs> who did the movie mm-hmm. Sankofa <clears throat> with Haley Garima, who was the uh, author mm-hmm. or the, I guess, the director. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Sankofa, S A N K O F A. Folks should really look that up so they have an idea of what the history could be. Okay, I'm going to look that up, definitely. So this here's how I like to close the episodes out. Uh, I call this the Parenting Corner. I'm going to give you three questions. The first question, give me a funny parenting story. Hmm. Funny parenting story. Uh, hmm. Can it come from a grandparent? It could come from a grandparent too, yeah. All right. <laughs> So oftentimes on Sundays after church, mm-hmm. a preacher might come by to somebody's house. What they come there for? To eat. And so my grandmother could burn, mm-hmm. you know, burn me. She could really mm, she cook. Could, she could really cook. And so uh, the preacher came by, and it wasn't really, uh, yeah, it was. It was her house. So the preacher came by her house, and the uh, guests would always eat first. Mm-hmm. So mm. The preacher ate some food and said, uh, could I have another piece of chicken? Yes, yes, preacher. So he went in there and he still had, was a little hungry. So he wanted to get some more. <laughs> Kids hadn't eaten yet. Mm-hmm. My grandfather said, yeah, help yourself. Help your GD greedy self. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, that's funny. <laughs> what did he say after that? I don't know. But I know we would always have that story told mm-hmm. during the holidays. Mm. You know, because they'd always share the stories mm-hmm. and things that happen. So, yeah, that's how that one went. That's down. funny. <laughs> um, Tell me a time where a parenting situation to where you handled it, to where you... Okay, I'm going to write down. I think it's somewhere along the lines of like, tell me a time to where you had a parenting situation and you realized you could have did it better. So how did you handle it versus how you should have handled it? I would say it was sports. Okay. Because I could really get on the boys in a sporting match <clears throat> to put forth the best effort. <clears throat> and they couldn't handle any kind of criticism, whether it was – uh, constructive or mm. not. So then they would lose their mind and wanted to yell at me, mm-hmm. which was taken away from their game. So I, I guess what I had to start doing was just not saying anything. Mm. And, you know, that that was pretty tough because I'm one that would want them to put their best foot forward. Mm-hmm. And, if someone kind of got on me, I would take heed. Yeah. But they weren't the same as me. Mm-hmm. So I had to figure out what their system was mm. and, and figure out how to help them to move forward without really saying too much. And they got to the point where, well, Dad, you didn't say anything. Well, you know, you're going to try to talk about I'm embarrassing you. Mm-hmm. you know, if I'm yelling and trying to get you moving. So I figured, you know, you got to figure out a different way mm. based on that kid versus what your own. Okay. And then lastly, uh, if you have any advice for fathers out there. Yeah, they got to do their best to study who their family is, to know who they are, to try to figure out the traditions. Because kind of like what you said earlier, there's some things that you may want to change. But I think they've got to put in the time Mm. in order to make sure – what it is they really want to address. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, I was a baseball player, played basketball, never played football, wanted to play football. Mm-hmm. But for my boys, I tried to get them to be decent baseball players. By the time I hit them with the ball enough, <laughs> and tried to pitch to them so they could hit the ball, they gave up on baseball. Mm. <laughs> but they, they moved to soccer, and they were pretty good soccer players. So okay. I had to learn to follow their sports, mm-hmm. which uh, was a little new to me because, I, as I said, you know, I was used to one, uh, one sport, baseball, mm-hmm. not soccer. Mm-hmm. I was used to basketball, not wrestling. Mm. The youngest one became a pretty good wrestler. Okay. Uh, the oldest one, he was multidimensional. He could play, you, you just give him a little bit of background. He's going to play all the sports. He mm-hmm. was a pretty good basketball player. Okay. Yeah, so I think the fathers need to get outside their own head and get inside the head of, the, of their child and try to help them to shape and mold what it is the kid wants to do. And then while the parent just keeps directing, the kids will follow your lead mm. because uh, being involved in the public, I would take them with me. Mm-hmm. So parents oftentimes give choices. They don't have a choice. If I'm going to the NAACP meeting, they're right there with me. Mm. And so they got a chance to see how we operated. 
it's paid dividends because as much as sometimes we think they're not doing really well, because they watched us do it, they know how to present themselves mm-hmm. in public. That's, that's, and, and, that's they, and they don't have a choice. They have to be able to take, expose them to things they need to see. Mm-hmm. Mm, I like that. Parents nowadays give a choice. You don't really have a choice. No. Yeah. I'd be seeing that. They'd be like, well, yeah, you're right. Because some of my friends be like, well, do you want this to eat or this to eat? My mom would be like, we having this. If you ain't eating, then I, you ain't eating it, then I guess you're just going to be hungry. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's going to happen a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, the last question I wanted to ask, I wanted to ask this earlier and I forgot. Was it being um, an adopted parent, was it easy loving them like your own or did that take time? Well, that, you know what, it was a lot easier for my wife because she is a little bit more emotional than me. Mm-hmm. Now, the youngest one, I spent a lot of time with him because he had difficulty breathing. Mm. And so I'd hear him in there and had to go give him nebulizer treatments and stuff. And I'd fall asleep with him laying on my chest just like Mm -hmm. a lot of others. Uh, But the older one is a little tougher because, again, he was almost six. Mm -hmm. Now, the youngest one, that's that's who I had the most uh, head-butting with Mm. because I said, wow. All this time I spent with you, I'm gonna catch it like this. You know? But then the 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 uh, good thing is when he told Darlene, "Mom, I'm starting to sound more and more like Dad." So I guess we bonded in ways that we didn't realize. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. Um, this was good. I'm gonna wrap this up. This was really good. I definitely appreciate you getting on. You have anything you want to plug in? Business, social media, anything like that? Well, I think that uh, the the biggest thing folks need to do is to learn a little bit of history. And mm-hmm. you, even, I don't care if the audience is uh, black, white, Asian, Hispanic, etc. Everyone should look at a documentary called Slavery by Another Name. Slavery by Another Name, okay. Yes, and then if you begin to look at uh, other videos that are out there on YouTube, you can see all this on YouTube. Slavery by Another Name is about an hour and a half. Ethnic Notions uh, and Color Adjustment. And Black Is, Black Ain't. Those are all by Marlon Riggs, who might have been one of the greatest cinematographers ever to live. I just had a call today about him, and a man said, listen, you got any updates to send out? Because I sent it out to all 50 of my uh, kids, grandkids, and great-grandkids. I want them to look at them. I don't know if they looked at them or not. And I just suggested to him, once you see the videos, then you probably need to see them a second time because there's going to be things you miss but then have a um, Zoom meeting and have everybody on a meeting talking about their perspective. Okay. I think that's a good place to end. Okay, most definitely. Um, if y'all want to start a podcast, man, uh, com. I'll come to you, bring all my equipment, uh, set it up. All you have to do is just press play and I'll handle the rest, as y'all already know. This is an Average Joe Media production. You can follow the podcast on Apple, Spotify, on all platforms. Um, the Instagram for the Baby Daddy Chronicles pod is Baby Daddy Chronicles pod. Um, and then for Average Joe is Average JTPC. Like, rate, review, subscribe. Tell a friend to tell another friend to tell another friend. It's your favorite Average Joe and your future favorite Baby Daddy signing off. Until next time. Peace. Baby Daddy Chronicles. I see red, I ain't in
nobody As a father, yes, I feel like I'm somebody My life is my kid, so I tell about it And I swear it's all about that Baby daddy, I ain't a baby daddy I ain't a baby daddy Baby daddy Baby daddy, crazy daddy.